This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. 7.49 right now, you're listening to The Morning Run. Han and Melissa here this morning as we take a look at the top business news of the day. But before that, let me tell you what's coming up on The Breakfast Grill just after the 8 o'clock news bulletin. Philip Satish Rao, the Governor of the Institute of Internal Auditors, uh, Auditors Malaysia, will be on The Breakfast Grill. So IIAM, that's the name of the institute. Joyce will be speaking to uh, Philip Satish Rao. And I guess this is really quite interesting because in the wake of the 1MDB scandal, the role of internal auditing uh, process really helps or is instrumental in upholding an organization's integrity. I mean, among the year, over the years, I mean, Han, I mean, the names of you know prominent fraud cases like Transmile comes to mind, Canmark Industrial comes to mind, Linear Corp comes to mind. So all these um, all these accounting scandals have really, I guess. Um, created a bit of a trust deficit, right, in terms yeah. of, of, of um, uh, transparency. So the role of internal accounting um, in the process or, or internal auditing process within a company, I guess, um, completely important. Yeah, especially when you read the billion dollar will and you discover the kind of lapses, you know, on the part of auditors, you know, across so many different banks, right? You know, And also here in Malaysia as well, both internal and external uh, guys, the compliance departments, even central banks as well, you know, if you read through some of these stories, you're thinking, wow, all it took was just like a phone call mm. from Jolo or like, you know, some messenger. Yeah, to, where were the uh, checks and balances? Yeah, right? exactly. Right? So, you know, you got to cast that net wider there. And uh, I'm not going to mention names, but there was a whole page dedicated to one of the big four here in Malaysia, right? Yeah. So where were these guys during the whole debacle? You know, perhaps Jolo wouldn't have been Jolo if it wasn't for the lapses in the compliance and uh, the, the auditors and all the safeguards. Well, okay, so there's been a string of accounting scandals here. Why has it continued to happen? And uh, I mean, the question really is, are Malaysian auditors ill-equipped? Are they not trained well enough to, uh, to uncover these uh, audit uh, or corporate fraud? So I'm hoping these are some of the things that Joyce will be uh, discussing with the Breakfast Grill guest, Philip Satish Rao, Governor of the Institute of Internal Auditors, Malaysia, IIAM. That's coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, turning our attention back locally, we have economists at uh, the Malaysia Rating Corporation, uh, MARC are uh, projecting that the country's budget deficit will be between three and a half percent to. 3.8% of GDP this year. That's uh, higher than Putrajaya's estimate of 28 to 3% for the year. Yeah, well, uh, more like Putrajaya's previous estimate there, right? So if you're going to 35 3.8% of GDP for the fiscal deficit, that, was take, that will take us back a couple of years there. We were at that level about uh, 2016, 2015, uh, thereabouts. You know? And even with the drop in oil, oil prices that we saw a couple of years ago, right, mm-hmm. we... Well, Malaysia generally still was able to maintain that fiscal consolidation agenda. But it looks like this year, it's a whole different narrative right there. looks to be blown wider to 3.5%. But, okay, Mark is saying that this is a spike in the budget Mm. deficit. They're they're saying that, look, this is a one-off event. It's unusually high because the government is in the midst of repairing its balance sheet. And 
they expect, okay, so this year could spike. Next year, 2019, they're expecting the budget deficit to narrow slightly, 3.4%. Yeah, but, you know, we have seen some guidance from the midterm review of the 11th Malaysia plan. So by 2020, the fiscal deficit target is 3% of GDP. But guess what? You know, we had already hit that mark last year, 3% of GDP. You know, mm-hmm. So again, perhaps taking a step back in terms of the fiscal consolidation agenda. But the rest that the government is saying now is that because of the expected slowdown, um, they're, uh, they're, they're perhaps trying to you know, make some room there to have that counter-cyclical measures from the fiscal side. Yeah, and I guess this is interesting because, you know, we are exactly a week away from budget, Han. Yeah, so, right. you know, I mean, it's, it's, I guess, a good time to take a look at how we're going to be addressing some of the debt. I mean, the expectations of new taxes, everyone's talking about that and what that will do, I guess, um, in terms of short-term pain, right? But the idea is for long-term gain. Yeah, so obviously, you know, taxpayers, voters, you know, you listening right now, you know, it, it, Budget 2019 is going to affect uh, every one of us, right? But from a sovereign uh, sovereign credit rating perspective, well, based on the messaging that they, they have already gotten, Moody's is saying that Malaysia's plan to widen that fiscal deficit and perhaps delaying that balanced budget, that could weigh negatively on Malaysia's uh, sovereign credit rating. You know, given that the, the debt problem well, I wouldn't say problem, but the debt burden is already a constraint on Malaysia's sovereign credit rating. But now with the plan to widen the fiscal deficit, that could be negative pressures. Okay. I mean, um, Mark did also say that the uh, debt problem will be addressed by firming up future economic growth plans rather than overzealous expenditure cuts. I'm not sure. So that, that feels to me like a more medium to long-term plan, right? So you do boost growth, but in the short term, what you do have to do is look at the um, expenditure. So you have to look at cutting um, how much the government is spending. Well, but then you've you got to find a balance between cutting versus making sure that you spend efficiently to make sure that you still have that headline growth, right? Already we are seeing the moderation when it comes to GDP growth outlook. The target is a range of 45 to 5.5%. That's a 50 basis point downward revision. And some of the other estimates that are coming out are saying, well, you know, by 2020, we'll be likely to be in the lower end of that range. But I think some of the things that the government is also doing is, you know, looking at cancelling some projects that mm. where, where they can set, trim the fat, so to speak. So looking at news now, we're also looking at Malakoff and Edra Power this morning because they're among the four companies falling victim to the government's July termination of the Independent Power Producers Projects or the IPP projects. Now, the four projects that were cancelled, so previously it was not known. So it was just Mm. announced that there were four projects that were cancelled. It wasn't named. But now we know the names of these projects. They include Tanaga and Malakoff's 700 megawatt gas-powered plant in Kapar Slango. Also, Ama Majestic and TNB's uh, uh, plant in uh, Trunganu. We have Sabah Development Energy and SM Hydro Energy's hydropower plant there in Sandakan Sabah and a solar power quota of 400 megawatts that was given to Edra Power Holdings for the use of a solar power plant. Yeah, so we'll certainly look at how Malakoff and Tanaga shares fare when markets open in about five minutes from now because well, Malakoff yesterday fell, uh, ended the day lower by 4.65 
five percent, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that uh, sell-off continues today as well. But going back to the rationale for why the ministry decided to scrap those four IPPs, so the government is saying that look, uh, they already have sufficient uh, electricity reserve margin, and so you know you don't want to pass on that capacity payments or the, the cost of adding to those uh, capacity to the consumers. Uh, so that could save, I think, one point six billion ringgit. Yes, that's yeah. right. So one point two six billion ringgit. Uh, if, if I could just clarify some of the term, the terminology, right? So we talked about capacity payments and electricity supply reserve margin. So what the reserve margin means essentially is that there's an excess of um, electricity produced by plants and mm-hmm. they need to produce this to ensure that there are there's enough supply during peak periods. So you have to have a reserve margin. But the reserve margin costs money to produce. Mm-hmm. So consumers are still, you and I, we're still paying for this excess energy in the form of what they call capacity payments. Now, according to the minister, around 30% of the electricity bill that we pay today is for capacity payment. Uh, so capacity payments then, therefore relies on how much uh, reserve electricity that we have. Mm. So if we were to reduce that, Han, then perhaps it could mean that uh, there could be a reduction in, in our electricity bill. Yeah, uh, possibly, right? So that's the ideal scenario here. But I think we also, yeah, I mean, it's also incumbent on us to perhaps highlight the potential downside risks as well. So by scrapping these IPPs, uh, these four IPP projects, um, from what I've been told, you could re- lower the reserve margin down into the teens there, right? And is that enough of a buffer come peak demand season? Think about, say, the El Nino that we had, I think, a couple of years ago. You know, people were just cranking up their air cons like crazy, right? And so that's when you, you, you really strain the grid. So you need to have a healthy enough reserve margin to make sure that those kind of blackouts or those kind of inadequate supply doesn't actually happen. Well, the Energy Science and Technology, uh, Technology Environment and Climate Change Minister, if I could just shorten that to Mass Tech, right, that <laughs> ministry, uh, Yobi Yin is saying that... Actually, the optimal level of the electricity reserve margin is about thirty-two percent, and that mm. will remain so that okay. you know any any kind of higher than necessary uh, capacity is not. I guess we can we can do without. I do want to say that we're missing a huge component in this conversation. Is these contracts were done through direct negotiation? Mm, yeah. the, these contracts were awarded through direct negotiation, and according to um, the Association of Water Energy and Energy Research Malaysia, they reckon that if the government looks at other direct nego, nego contracts, the government could in fact save ten to eighteen billion ringgit more. Yeah. Uh, uh, contracts like, for instance, the. Uh, that were directly awarded were uh, Track 4A, Track 4B, Edgepower as well. Tadmax Resources Pulau Indah Combined Cycle Gas um, Turbine Project. That was also a, a direct uh, award. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, so I, I agree with the approach by the ministry here, right, whereby you can reset the tone whereby how these projects are, are awarded. So you cancel these four IPPs and, and you reset things. That's great. But the idea is that you don't delay for too long because if you look at the project for the demand for electricity. Hey, we Malaysians, we cannot live without an aircon. If you look at the electricity production index, um, you know, based on in the IPI, that's the Industrial Production Index, every month this year, it's showing about, you know, 4 or 5% on year gain. So we're just churning out that electricity to meet that rising demand. So the idea is, okay, fine, cancel these four, reset, make them open tender, but then ultimately, you got to start awarding those contracts again. Well, I'm curious to see what Malakoff and Tanaga will be trading at once market opens which is going to be in about a minute or so and the opening numbers will be brought to you by Lynn Mark in the 9 o'clock news bulletin next on VFM 89.9
Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.